In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. A servant was brought to him that owed him ten thousand talents, and he had not wherewith to pay it. The parable our Lord gives to the disciples in St. Matthew's Gospel is, of course, intended to speak of us. We are the servant, and the Father is the King. That much is obvious. And it would be simple to say that we owe a debt to God due to Christ's sacrifice. For surely that was an immense act that each of us owe God such a debt of gratitude. But we have to remember that Christ is giving this parable before his crucifixion. And thus, for the disciples who heard it, in order for it to have an effective meaning for them, it must mean that there was some other debt that they could interpret here. And to understand this debt, the second condition of Christ's words is important. A servant was brought to him that owed him 10,000 talents, and he had not wherewith to pay it. The servant in this parable has amassed such a debt by his own actions that he's incapable of paying it back. And thus his plea, have patience with me and I will pay thee all, is hard to reconcile. If the servant is incapable of paying this massive debt in the present moment, it's hard to understand how he could pay it at all. Commentators tell us that the 10,000 talents would be more than a several years worth of wages. So the servant's plea is really one of desperation Perhaps if he's given more time, he will find some way out of this, or the king will forget, or some miracle will happen that he won't have to pay it. But what is certain is that no normal cause of action will solve this servant situation. He had not wherewith to pay it. And so the king doesn't give him an extension on the loan. Rather, he forgives the whole debt. The lord of that servant being moved with pity, let him go and forgave him the debt, writes St. Matthew. The servant left his Lord that day free from debt, not merely with more time. The debt was gone. Man, by his fall from grace through the sin of our first parents, amassed an unimaginable debt. Man had been entrusted with the dignity to be like God and to govern the world like God. But man misused that trust by selfishly desiring to take unto himself what rightly belonged to God. And this is explained in the story of our first parents. By this act, says St. Thomas Aquinas, man amassed a debt which he was incapable of paying because it was infinite, of infinite worth, the value of God. Only God could pay the debt. No amount of time, no amount of sacrifice, no matter how many bulls or goats or turtle doves were thrown upon the Hebrew altars, could atone for this debt. Man had not the wherewith to pay it. Yet the debt was not God's. Justice required that man pay this debt. And God is the Lord of justice and of mercy. The mercy of God desired our pardon. But rather than simply releasing us from our debt, which God certainly had power to do, the Father found it fitting in justice that the debt still be paid. So humanity found itself in a paradox. The debt that must be paid by man cannot be paid by any human act. It would take someone who was both God and man to pay this debt. Someone who by a human act could produce an effect of infinite value. And so in the fullness of time, God sent his son born of a virgin, born under the law, born as man, 
that his son, the God-man, could pay the debt of humanity. And the Lord of that servant, being moved with pity, let him go and forgave him the debt. But there's another side to this. We didn't simply exchange one debt for another. The payment made for man by Christ's supreme sacrifice was a total free gift of the Father. Christ the Lord laid down his life freely, just as he could take it up again. And because of this free gift, man had no need to atone for this act. But that doesn't mean that we're free from a response. The proper response to a gift is not repayment, but gratitude, thanksgiving. And thanksgiving requires humility. It is the willingness to accept that we were incapable of paying our debt because of our destitution. But God, in his generosity, freely paid our price. Our Lord in his parable doesn't explain why the servant, after having been forgiven the loan, goes to exact justice upon his own debtors. Perhaps it could be that he was simply greedy. But I would like to think that the servant was so taken aback by the generosity of his Lord that he refused to accept it. He wanted to, in some way, still pay back the forgiven loan. His pride could not let the debt be passed. But when that servant was gone out, he found one of his fellow servants that owed him a hundred pence, and laying hold of him, he throttled him, saying, Pay what thou owest. It's an act of foolish desperation and a refusal to accept the complete generosity of his Lord. If the servant had recognized his Lord's generosity, he would have been converted and thus would have surely forgiven all that owed him as well. Pride, writes C.S. Lewis, is spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. St. Gregory the Great listed pride as the queen of all vices. C.S. Lewis, in another place, says it is the devil's most destructive tool. Pride removes our reliance on God. It is ultimately contempt for God and for his benefits. We place our faith in our own merits, not in our ability to care for ourselves. Pride can exist in both our natural and our spiritual lives as well. In our natural lives, we can have pride in our relationships with one another, considering ourselves always to be superior recognizing no good in others. Pride, in this sense, leads to a sister vice, vainglory. Spiritual pride is a movement of the soul away from God. The one with spiritual pride considers him in no greater need for growth and holiness, or worse yet, in no need for holiness at all. It can be pride even to consider ourselves incapable of holiness and of virtue, because this denies God's own power and the effect of his grace in our lives. The remedy to pride is humility, but not a false humility. True humility is not a continual reassertion of our own arrogance by refusing to accept compliments or pretending to not be gifted in areas that we truly are. Humility is at its core an act of love. It is an outward and a gracious act. It is showing gratitude where gratitude is due. Humility is being amazed at the goodness of others and ultimately at the infinite goodness of God. To cultivate this spirit of gratitude, it is essential to bring ourselves to a point where we can recognize our own destitution without doing so in a self-deprecating way. And one way we do this and has been encouraged by the saints is by taking a spiritual director, for example, or even just a close and trusted friend with whom we can freely share our feelings. The true friend, hearing the failings of the other, does not chastise 
or encourage the sadness of the other. Rather, he builds the other up by encouragement, by assisting the other in pursuing the good and overcoming their failings. And this sharing of weakness defeats pride by rejoicing in our weaknesses. As St. Paul writes, I will glory in my weakness, the power of Christ may dwell in me. A servant was brought to him that owed him 10,000 talents, and he had not wherewith to pay it. Here we are, the servants of God, drawn together before the throne of our King in the Holy Mass. And we stand destitute, without wherewith to pay our debt. In the Mass, from the very start, writes Father Ronald Knox, the old trouble comes back again. Sin or no sin, what are you, man, a creature, that you should be standing up and talking to God like this? as if a conversation with him were the most natural thing in the universe. Back you go to the altar, feeling like an utter worm, Kyrie eleison, again and again, begging his pardon for your ridiculous self-sufficiency and imagining even for a moment that you had a right to stand up straight instead of burying your head in your hands. And yet here we are, at the altar, here at Calvary. We know the debt we owe. We kneel in silent expectation, recalling our innumerable sins. And then bells, the debt paid, and our Lord held aloft, lifted high as Moses lifted the serpent in the desert, and all who look upon him are healed. In voluntate tua domina universa sunt posita, all things are in thy will, O Lord, and there is none who can resist it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.